Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Local Color Podcast. It is me, your host, Jason V. Hope you're having a good week so far. I'm here with a special guest. I'm going to let him introduce himself. What's your name, sir? Name is Otis Glenn. I'm the owner of Therapy Brain. And where are you from? East Baltimore. Where specifically? Down the hill, Castle Street, New Orleans. What was growing up like down the hill? I was kind of a shelter kid, so I really didn't go outside that much. But um, my block was pretty loud, pretty noisy, a lot of stuff going on. My parents were older. My parents had me when they were like in their late, mid to late 30s. So I wasn't allowed to do a lot of the things like that the other kids in the blocks were allowed to. So I basically just stayed in the house, watched anime and listened to rap music. <laughs> okay. Did you you have any siblings? Yeah, I had one. I have one sister. Well, I had one sister. Oh, I'm sorry. Did she pass? Yeah, she passed away. Yeah. I'm sorry. Was that when you uh, were y'all were kids or when you were older? Pretty recently, about three years ago. Oh, I'm I'm so sorry to hear that. No problem, man. Um, but tell me about growing up with your sister. What were some of your favorite animes growing up? What would you listen to when you were growing up? All right, so growing up with my sister was pretty good. Like, we had, like, a big age gap. She was 18 years older than me, so a lot of the things... She was kind of like a second mother, mm -hmm. you know, so to speak. So um, a lot of the... You know, I learned, like, a lot of things about being assertive and going after the things that you want in life from her and learning how to also be empathetic towards people's situations. Um, I, uh, the main anime that I watched when I was growing up was uh, Dragon Ball Z, uh, Yu Yu, Yu Hakusho... Naruto, and I ventured off into to other animes as I got older. Earliest music I can remember me listening to was probably like Ludacris, Red Light District. And as I got older, I can remember like a pivotal time when I was like in the eighth grade. That's when I really started like to fall in love with rap. And that was like a great year for music. So the Carter Two was in my rotation. Cassidy's I'm a Hustler, Joel Santana, What's the Game Been Missing, Bun B's Trill, Young Jeezy's Thug Motivation 101, and a bunch of other projects. But that was like the most pivotal year that like basically groomed my taste for rap. Okay. And then what was school like for you at that time? Because with a lot of siblings, they'll go to school at the same time together. But since there was such a large age gap between you and your sister, um, was she like the one helping you with your homework and kind of guiding you through that process? Um, I wouldn't say that. I, I kind of like, I did my own homework. I, I really didn't really have help because I mean, I, it wasn't really that difficult, but like more so like with life struggles though, like, you know, things outside of school. Um, like job applications and things of that nature. Like she more so helped me like in my later, like my teenage years to adult life, but I still had like my parents like to groom me like in school to like keep me on the right track to do the right things. With all of that and living in the area that you live in, actually I'm I'm curious because I've I've also interviewed people who are from that area. Where does DDH come from? DDH comes from, in my opinion, I say that it's, Madison Street and down, or more so Biddle Street and down. So Addison Highway is a hill going up. Mm -hmm. It's a hill that it's, it's like Madison Street and Monument Street, and Addison Highway goes up and it goes up to up the hill, like, you know, Biddle, Preston, Huffman, streets like that. And down the hill is like Madison and down. So I would say Elwood all the way over to Broadway. 
Elwood over to Broadway. Okay, and then is this above? This is above Patterson Park, right? Yes, def- definitely. Yep. Do you know who came up with the 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 acronym DDH, or is that just how it's always been? I have no idea. I have no idea who came up with the acronym. <laughs> you know, I just heard it. <laughs> a lot of us heard it. Probably, you know, of course, neighborhood people, but also like it's a it's a song called like "Hey Down the Hill." Yeah. And I don't know if you are familiar with like D. Watkins, like and like Conduani Fidel, like, they write about it. And I think yeah. that's like they be they've made it like a more prominent term as well, like in popular culture. Like, you know. Yeah, that's uh that's actually who I've I learned it from. I've interviewed both of them on the podcast and they talked about it. And I know the area. I'll tell you right now, I'm not from the area, so I'm sure if I went down there, people are gonna be looking at me funny, but um <laughs> that's why I wanted to ask you about it because you're you're the third person from that area. So I'm like, I wonder if there's like a history behind it, but it seems like one of those just neighborhood things that people might not know where it came from. That's just how it's always been. Having lived in that area and as you mentioned, having your sister to lean on uh, for getting through just those hard moments in life and stuff like that, was mental health something that was ignored uh, or important in your family? Uh, mental health, I don't, I don't really think that. So, like, a lot of black communities are underdeveloped, right? And that's like we basically lack resources that are afforded to our white counterparts. So, like, I don't think that mental health was taken seriously in like a lot of black families. You know, like people would, you know, be out in the street going through episodes, and you, you know, people would say, "Oh, that's Jerome. He's just crazy." But like, no, like Jerome is really like having like a mental health episode right now and we don't have the resources to get him the appropriate help that he needs so um i know that my family my family you know speaking personally like they dealt with like tons of addiction and a lot of those things may have been prevented if they had had sought like mental health or if that was like a thing that was talked about in my family history could you remember any moments like with your family or even with your sister where you noticed that mental health wasn't really being taken seriously in a time when it should have been? I remember, like, before my sister passed away, she, like, she was telling me, like, that she was depressed. And, like, at the time, I didn't really understand what that meant, like, that meant, like, the totality of it and how I understand it now and how I basically can comprehend it now. And I I didn't, like, wave it off, but I was just, I didn't honestly know what to say in that moment because, like, I never... Like, you know, people say that they having like a depressed day or whatever. But no, she said, like, I have depression. And it was just like, she said she was on medication and she didn't like, she didn't like the medication that she was on because it made her feel away. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, by, by that time in my life, I just never knew anybody that was on that type of medication. Of course, you hear people that talk down about people that are on like mental health medication that may have been like in psych wards and things of that nature. But I never met anybody that was, outside of that space that was like functioning. Mm-hmm. So that was like a bit of an eye opener for me. And like, you know, fast forward now to after her death and even before her death, I remember like a pivotal moment in my life when I was at my college graduation and I was just sitting in the, you know, the stands, like I was, I was graduating. This is like supposed to be one of the proudest moments of your life. And like, I was just sitting there blank and I was just like, man, like I need to go get some help because I didn't feel anything. You know, you're supposed to feel like, oh, I'm really accomplished. You're supposed to feel happy, like triumphant in a way. And I just didn't feel anything. And I sought therapy and I, I met my first therapist. Um, his name was Imamu Baraka. Um, and I was in therapy with him in, after I graduated until I got my first job as a teacher. 
that was like when life got completely crazy. And that's when I really, really needed that because being, if anybody knows about how it is being a teacher, it's really stressful, especially like your first year in Baltimore City Public Schools. It can get treacherous. Like the things that you see and not necessarily like more, not necessarily like the students, but more so just how the system is structured. So you talk a little bit about what happened after high school. Um, it sounds like you just went to college. What college did you go to? I went to Morgan State University. Okay, and what was your experience like going there? It was it was different. Um, I'm going to say this because I was a student that worked full time, and I, I lived at home with my parents at the time. Like I didn't live on, you know, on campus, so I had a different type of experience. Like, I wasn't able to go to all the campus events because I had to go to work in the evening, and so I kind of saw like a different. I saw it in a different way. Um, I think I, I still had like a great experiences. I met great people, and I also. Um, took advantage of all the opportunities that were afforded to me in those moments. I was a history major, so I basically learned how to write way better. I learned, I learned how to articulate my words and present myself in ways that I didn't or I hadn't known how to do before then. Mm -hmm. um, that, And I think that set me up for, you know, interviews, like an interview that we're doing now, or just basically presenting myself to the world. So when you graduated from Morgan, can you just tell me the timeline of things that happened between graduating from Morgan and then starting Therapy Brand? Cool, I can. Um, so graduating, I graduated in 2017. My sister passed away in February of 2018. Mm -hmm. Went through like, you know, very crazy depressive episodes. Like I said earlier that I was a teacher at the time when she passed away. Well, I might, I might have not said that she was, I was a teacher at the time, but she passed away while I was my first year teaching. So I kind of like had to take two weeks off because she had just got sick out of nowhere. We had to like, you know, create, she was like in um, in a coma so for two weeks. So I had to essentially take off a week for two weeks. And then after the coma, she passed away. So we had to set up funeral arrangements. Um, you know, went through a lot of things in teaching that, you know, that ultimately ended up with me like resigning. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of other jobs after that. And then the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. And at this time, this is, you know, everybody is going, you know, what's going on. Um, my girlfriend who was my fiance now, she had bought a cricket and she was like trying to venture into a cake top but she makes streets. And I was like, man, I think I might want to make a, a clothing line but I didn't know what I was going to do or like, you know, what, what the, the message behind it was going to be or anything. Yeah. So um, my favorite, <clears throat> I, like, I, I'm really into fashion. Like, I'm not going to tell you that I own, like, every pair of Gucci sneakers or anything like that. But, like, I love, like, how the messages behind fashion. I love Kirby John Raymond, the owner of Pierre Mars. I love <clears throat> Fear of God. I love Kanye West. Mm-hmm. So Jerry Lorenzo, Jerry Lorenzo was the owner of Fair God, but I love those guys. Like I know, I love that they're black men that articulate themselves well, and they also are able to present present themselves and articulate ideas through the medium of fashion. So I wanted to do something in that vein. Like I wanted to make something that that resembled mental health, but also was a t-shirt or a tangible object that people can wear that made them actually feel good that made them, like, if you're having a messed up day or, like, you know, you wake up and you're just in a mood, like, you can just put this shirt on and it's not going to, like, solve all your problems, but it's literally, like, a garment that makes you feel good. 
How did you come up with the slogan, look good, feel better? So for me, I feel like, like sometimes we, you know, when we like, again, going to back to my point, like when you're waking up, like, and you're in the mood or you're depressed, like it's so easy, like to throw on some sweatpants, some Crocs or some Adidas slides and be like, you know, Hey, you know, I'm, this is me, this is it. And that's fine. Some days that's fine, but some days you really have to get yourself out that funk. And I think that when you wear things that you love or make things that make you feel good, like say for instance, if you have a favorite shirt or a favorite like pair of tennis or, you know, it, it makes you feel good essentially. And, and when you look good, you feel good. Mm-hmm. So that's what I came up with that. Cause it's been many times where I've been in that mood. Excuse me. And I put on like an outfit and I may have nece- may have not necessarily like just immediate, it may have not necessarily just immediately removed the pain or what I was going through in that moment, but I look good and it's, and I started to feel a little bit better. So I wanted people to see if anybody else can connect with that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I like to look put together and, and, and test out outfits and stuff like that. And like you said, right. when I look good, I feel good. And I feel like my outfit is kind of like a walking billboard for who I am. Dang. So I will like go shopping or something. I'm like, oh yeah, I got this. Uh, I got like this like sky blue polo or something like that. I could probably wear that with some dark wash jeans and then my white Air Max 97s. Oh, that's going to be a dope fit. And then like I look at myself in the mirror and I feel good. And then it kind of is, is the icing on the cake when I'm out. And then someone's like, yo, I like your outfit or something. Like I have a, um, uh, I have a duffel coat from Uniqlo that I just get compliments on all the time. And I, I wear it. And like you said, I just, I feel good and, and people compliment me and it just makes me feel very good. So I think right. that's such a, such a fitting slogan, look good, uh, feel better. Um, <clears throat> when it comes Thank to you. mental health, oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. When it comes to mental health awareness, it seems like perhaps you kind of got got the memo, so to speak, or, or figured it out a lot earlier than some other people, especially in the black community. And as far as mental health awareness in the black community, do you feel like it starts at home or do you think there needs to be like a larger generational shift? Because um, I feel like a lot of boomers, you know, older black people, they're just I don't know. They just don't really get it or understand it. Or they, they always just do like the, like, have you tried not being sad? And it's exactly. like, right, that's, right. that's not how that works. So how do you think um, we can really embrace that mental health awareness starting at home or is it a larger generational shift? Right. So first I'm going to, I think it's both, but going back to your point about boomers, like it, I think that like a lot of us are raised by boomers. Right. Mm-hmm. And Boomers essentially had like that pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality with with everything in life, even though like the cards aren't like stacked up in our favor as millennials or generationals, you know, whatever, you know, whatever group you're in, you know. (laughs) So it's like, um, I would say it's a little bit of both. Um, It needs to start at home because say for instance, like if you have parents that are mentally or mental health, like, advocates that they they really know like they can like tackle that young in age like i feel like a lot of people don't like really talk to their kids like they yell at them they they beat them and then that's the only thing that they feel like fixes them or that that helps the situation and sometimes like you can really just talk to your child we have to realize that children are people and i feel like that is like one of the biggest indicators 
like if this person is going to have mental health trauma later in life because you have parents that think they're doing a great, great job by beating their kids or doing this or like discipline them in whatever way or whatever fashion they seek and it's doing more harm than good and then you know kids grow up with this trauma and then they have to go to therapy and basically resolve those issues that really aren't their issues though. They were projected on them because their parent didn't know how to indulge in conflict resolution. As I earlier stated that, you know, boomers have that pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. Like I feel like a lot of us have adopted that too. Like, you know, it's, you know, I'm gonna just thug it out. I'm gonna just go through this. But it's like, sometimes you really gotta cry. You gotta sit there and cry and sit and feel that. Like you can't drink it away. You can't smoke it away. And you can't have sex with other women or other men to get that away. You really have to like just sit and feel that. And I think that was like one of the most pivotal moments for me. Like when I actually sat still and like felt like the pain that my, you know, my sister's death gave me. And I felt when I sat with it, it gave me like, it gave me an epiphany. Now I'm not going to say that I don't have my moments still. Sometimes when we have traumatic events, we really got to just sit still. Like we can't just work through it. Like, and that's what, I wanted to do, like, I was going to work through it. I was going to just go through it and, like, you know, whatever my emotions I don't feel, that stuff catches up to you and it bleeds out in other areas of your life. And then the people that are closest in proximity to you, they feel it. So it, def it definitely needs to be a generational shift cause, because Black people especially go through trauma every day. Mm -hmm. Every day. And, and we need to have, like, centers that cater to that. We need to have, like, more mental health advocates that cater to that. Like, we have so many resources for veterans in the country, even though they're limited as well, but I feel like the average Black child goes more than, goes through more than a veteran mm -hmm. at this point. Like, especially in war zones like Baltimore, Chicago, Detroit, like, what, where are those resources for those kids? Like, they see way more. They need that, you know? So I, it definitely needs to be a generational shift. But I think that we are the generation that's starting to shift it because younger black people, obviously like millennials and then, you know, Gen Z, they're much more in tune with themselves. And just just the fact that young black millennial men can express their feelings nowadays, because I'm not sure how old you are, but even when I was coming up, like in middle school and elementary right. school and stuff like that, showing feelings was like that was seen like as like a weakness. But right, exactly. now it's so much more so much more acceptable. And I think that that's just a great sign for the future. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm 28, about to be 29, by the way. So I'm, I think we kind of like in the same boat, probably. How old are you? I'm 31. So yeah, okay, just cool. about, um, just only a few years apart. Uh, I do want to talk about, or or get back to um, therapy brand. Okay, Can you cool. talk a little bit more about the types of clothing that you sell and like where you source the fabric and the material for your items? So basically I, I sell just t-shirts right now and I have a few hoodies. So that's, I kind of wanted to start off because like I didn't want to make things that were generic. I wanted everything to be like a, a iconic piece. And sometimes that's hard to do. And it's kind of like a, perf a perfectionist mentality. But I just want my things to look different from everybody else. I source them from shirt space and I get, I just try different t-shirt brands. Okay. And what is that process like? How long does it take for you to find a material or fabric that you like and that you want to go with? Um, it doesn't really take that long. Um, I just, I ordered the shirt and they come in the mail. For me, it's more so like the design that I'm putting on them. That's like where oh, the magic happens. Like, I make a design, and if I'm failing it, I'd be like, okay, we got to throw that on there. And, you know, and if and if it doesn't turn out right, I'll scratch it. Because it's like, I, I don't believe in putting out a product that doesn't, that I don't really, like, 
like align myself with. Like if I don't feel it, I'm not going to put it out. There's been times where I've like ordered things and they've come in the mail and like the, the garment didn't look exactly how I wanted it to. And I had to like scratch it because like, I don't want anything like being aligned with my brand that doesn't, that I don't really resonate with or it's something that I really don't appeal to. For people who want to buy the clothing, do you just have an online storefront? Do you sell at like a stall in the city? How does it work? So everybody, you know, follow me at Therapy Brand, Therapy B-R-N-D. And my website is www.therapybrnd.com. And they can purchase whatever I have on there. What advice would you give to someone who wants to start their own clothing line? Um, I think I think the biggest thing is like don't just sell clothes, sell products that really have a message behind them. Like find things that align with your personality or find personality traits that you have that you really love and create like extensions of yourself in your clothing. Somebody might like sports or somebody might like, you know, music. Somebody might like theater or, you know, it's just all in what you like. And just be yourself. Just be like 100% authentic. Do you feel like with therapy brand and promoting mental health, wellness, and awareness in the Black community, that you're doing something to uh, honor the memory of your sister? Yes, definitely. I mean, she was one of the main reasons why I made this because a lot of us really don't have any voices. And, you know, our stories aren't told. My sister was a phenomenal woman, and I want everybody to remember her. So in every instance, like in my life, where I get a chance to, you know, champion her and represent her, I'm going to do that. And this, you know, this clothing line is the extension of that, of my memory and my love for her. And also my mem- my love for myself and me being committed to self-care and me allowing myself to be a vessel or, you know, a representation of what it means to like really be downtrodden and depressed and also to come up and be triumphant. So anybody else is going through episodes or trials and tribulations in their life, they can see that in themselves that they can come out out of those things as well. What are some of your uh, self-care routines or tips that you could share with us? Um, I think the biggest thing as of late is exercise, man. Um, I'm a, I've always been a big guy recently. You know, everybody has like, man, I, I shed 20 pounds this week or whatever, or, you know, not this week, that's that's insane, but <laughs> like this month, probably, you know, you know what I mean? Like a couple months or like, you know, and then you fall off, but like, I think it's being consistent with exercise, eating right, this sounds, pretty cliche but it works i love listening to podcasts i love watching anime anime is a form of self-care for me because it just reminds me of a time when things were simple you know um Mm -hmm. and yoga as awkward as that may sound yoga man yoga be it make you feel great man like you know i don't know if you do yoga but try it it makes you feel great i i don't knock anybody for doing it but it's just it's just too too a little too slow for me, but yeah, I got you. Yeah, um, I got you. Yeah, I do think that you know watching anime is like a it's like therapeutic and and fun for me as well because like you said, it just takes you back to a simpler time where you just didn't have to worry about things as much. But also something that I've learned, you know, watching some animes. I know people might think it's just kind of for nerds or weebs, but a lot of the themes they talk about in animes are very. Uh, adult and something that I can relate to. Like, have you Dang. ever um, have you ever watched the anime Gurren Lagann? Yes, that's one of my favorite anime. Ever. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, um, I watched that for the first time about a year ago or so, and 
just the theme of like, no matter what the obstacles are, like you just have to overcome it. And, and there's going to be times where, you know, you're knocked down and like Simon was, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. There's like a few episodes where Simon's like really down and depressed and even other people notice it. And they were just like, look, just let him kind of get through it. And then he, he found that motivation to continue on. Um, so I definitely think exactly. that anime can be a, th- a form of therapy. Uh, what other animes have you been watching recently? Um, I just finished um, Jujutsu Kaisen. Okay, people have been telling me about it. I only watched yeah. the first episode. Like, is it good? It's great, man. I ain't gonna lie, man. It's great. It's a great anime. It's a great watch. Yeah, you gotta watch that, man. You know how it is when you watch the first anime, it'd be slow. I mean, the first episode would be slow, and he'd be like, Do I really want to watch it? I go through that. I'm like watching like 20 anime right now because of that same reason. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, it's a great, that's a great anime. You gotta watch that. Um, I'm watching, I'm just finishing Hunter Hunter Hunter. I never heard of that. Hunter, um, it's probably Hunter X Hunter. You ever heard of that before? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, yeah, but it's called Hunter Hunter. Like the X will be silent or whatever. You know how people are in the anime community. Like, don't say that you're a noob. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my hero, of course, I'm watching that currently. The relationship dynamic between uh, Shoto Todoroki and his his father. Um, exactly. Yeah. Was his endeavor like endeavor? I, that, yeah. That resonates with me on you know like i said it's kind of kind of sad like the reason that i relate to him is not for the best reason but i like the fact that they portray that in the anime and honestly something that i've noticed in a lot of animes anime dads get a bad rap because either they're not there or they're just completely terrible dads. it is terrible like goku goku is a terrible father <laughs> one anime I, I will recommend to you that i always re- recommend to people have you ever heard of Golden Camoy? No, I've never heard of that. So Golden Camoy is an anime about a guy, uh, a Japanese guy who's in the military during uh, the Russo-Japanese War. So it's between Japan and uh, Russia. And in Japan, there is a indigenous group of people called the Ainu. And there's a like lost stash of Ainu gold. And the main character, he meets up with this Ainu teenage girl and they go on this adventure to find the gold together. Um, it like the character development's really good. The animation is great. Some of the CG, you know, it's a little cheesy, but they right. like in the second and third season, they definitely kicked it up a notch. But I think the number one thing that really makes it a great anime is the character development. And based off of the conversation that we're having, I think that you would enjoy it. So I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's on Hulu. I mainly watch anime on uh, Crunchyroll or yeah, I have that Darby. too. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So I say uh, check that out. And then have I been watching anything else? I, I've been watching this other anime. It's, it's, um, it's called Keep Your Hands Off Aizoken. It's just a, it's an anime about these three high school girls that want to like make anime. So the show, oh, like, the show is an anime about making anime. And it's just very interesting to see like the concepts that they talk about, about right. like what really goes into making an animated project. So I would check that out as well. If like you're cool. a fan of anime, it's like a love letter to anime. Cool, cool. Definitely, definitely, man. So what you said it's called Golden Kamui? Yeah, uh, K-A-M-U-Y. And okay. as you watch the show, you you figure out like specifically what that word means because they do a lot of uh, educational segments or they weave in a lot of stuff about Ainu culture into the anime. So it's, it's really phenomenal. I, th- I think you'll really like it. Right. Appreciate that, man. Definitely going to check that out. 
But we're going to start wrapping up here. Uh, you kind of answered it, but I'll, I'll still ask these two questions I always ask my guests. The first one is what's coming up next for you and therapy brand. And then the second one is how can people reach you if they want to learn more or if they just want to cop some gear? So for what's next for me, I want to do, I want to make like projects, you know, like, and I also want to re release more clothes, of course, but, you know, doing more outreach and making people feel comfortable talking about the things that they've been through, you know, projects like that, or just, you know, projects that make people want to feel vulnerable, like, creating spaces where people want to feel vulnerable. Um, and people can reach me at therapy brand, B R N D without the a and at Otis T Glenn on Instagram. And they can cop their gear from www.therapybrnd.com. Awesome. All right. Well, Otis Glenn, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to uh, talk about that we haven't already gone over? No, sir. No, sir. I think we covered a lot, man. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to interview you. Man, I, I'm thankful for the opportunity, man. You know, I, I it was from, it's, I saw you in the park a lot. I was like, that looks like that guy. I saw the bush. I saw the glasses. I said, that's, that's him. That's the guy. And I was like, let me go. You know, I, I don't know if I was weird or not, but man, I just had to, you know. So no, I'm really you, thankful for the opportunity, man. You were good, man. It honestly made my day. So I appreciate it. And I'm glad that we were, that we were able to link. All right. Definitely.